Well, we are continuing in Second uh, Peter, sort of. And what that means is that Second Peter has launched us into Ephesians 6, where we are continuing. Uh, let me see if I can figure out what I'm doing and how to do this. Where are my pencil things? Okay, they're there. That's one thing. And now, that's another thing. Oh. <laughs> if you took notes on that part, you can review it later. <laughs> on your own time. Okay. Well, we are continuing. And last week I had a sermon title already up there. Uh, but that's okay. Actually, if you'll turn to Second Peter chapter 3, just to remind you of where we're launching from. In Second Peter chapter 3, we read this in the last two verses, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So here's the, the background on that of where we're heading today out of Ephesians. And I do, I'm very serious about this. I would also ask that you uh, give me feedback on my printing and writing along the way. So, 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. He's saying, be on guard, but it's in specific ways not pulled toward error. And not falling away from steadfastness. But instead, grow. And he says, grow in grace. And grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this grow in grace challenge this grow in grace challenge I'm, I'm, I'm still learning the technology. You don't have to be patient with me, but I would ask that you be patient with me. Okay. Now we're back to writing. Okay. That he's saying grow in grace and knowledge. I will try, I will Try to not let my learning the technology get in the way of doing our study. But again, the reminder, be on guard. It's a, it's a strong admonition. It means that you and I have a proactive calling to recognize if I'm not on guard, I can be pulled into error. If I'm not in guard, if I'm not staying diligent and aware and in battle mode for the right things, I'm, I'm subject, I'm vulnerable 
to being pulled away from my steadfastness. And he's giving us an antidote. He says, but instead, keep growing in grace. And this doesn't just simply refer to the original grace of salvation that God gave us the gift of his son. That is most definitely included here. But what's included is all the gifts that God gives you as his son, all the gifts that God gives you as his daughter. That he's saying, keep learning the fullness of those gifts, all the blessings, all the unearned favors God's bestowing on you, and keep growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, that very naturally then takes us to Ephesians 6, where now we're told to armor up. So if you want to turn over to Ephesians 6, where we're told to armor up, and we've been going through that armor, and now we are at the very um, wrapping up that armor in verse 17, and he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so I want to look at that now, here out of Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if you'll turn, oops, that's an H. You'll turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 for just a second. And let's read this about the Word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, he says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And, and one of the things that struck me as, as we're going through a few passages here relating to the Word of God is that what these passages mostly challenge for me is that I come with the attitude that that truth is, is available to me. I come with an attitude, and where this matters a lot for you and I, so he says this Word is able to judge, and it means to discern. This Word is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we won't go read it now, but there's a, a, an ending to Psalm 139 where David prays, and we've talked about this, this prayer numerous times in different contexts, but where David is acknowledging, I don't even know my own heart without your revelation and your help and your spirit. So he says, I'm asking you to search my heart and try my thoughts and show me my hurtful ways. That's a humble prayer for David. And, and what this passage is talking about here in Hebrews 4.12 is he's saying God is now promising that his word is capable of doing that for you and me. But what if, what, part of what it means is you and I get to go to the word. We get to go to God and say, Father, I'm willing for you to discern my heart, my thoughts, my motives, and reveal them to me even if they're not fun to look at. So this is a real humble mindset. This is a real teachable mindset that says, I get to go to the Word of God expecting that God will use this Word, this actual active two-edged sword, to slice through all the self-deceptions, slice through, through all the distractions, slice through all the denials, and that if my heart is willing to hear, 
God is able to show me my motives and my intentions and my thoughts and reveal them to me for growth. So again, that gets to be your mindset when you go to the Word of God, my mindset when we go to the Word of God, that at least one layer of that is I'm willing to be shown unpleasant things about me, not for condemnation. How much condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? None. No condemnation. So I'm not going to the Word to be condemned even if He shows me my sin. Even if He shows me something ugly and unpleasant in me. Even if He shows me something selfish. He shows me something unfinished or immature. That's not for condemnation. It's for growth. Back to the the challenge of 2 Peter 3.18. It's for growth that God wants to show me those things. So that gets to be part of you and I having this attitude of Hebrews 4.12 is when I go to the Word, I'm willing to see things that aren't good to see and fun to see and happy to see in me because I already know that you want to help me grow and your Word is one of the most powerful ways you're going to do that. Now, the second most powerful way, and we won't go into that today, is the people who have to put up with you. That if, if you and I are open to feedback from loving believers. I don't mean criticism. I don't mean, again, condemnation. But that if we're willing to open our heart to feedback from the people who live with us, interact with us, relate to us, depend on us, have to to put up with us, if we're willing to take feedback, even if it hurts, that gets to be joined to the truth of word to say, okay, the word showed me that I'm weak in this area. My, My wife or my daughter or my best friend now can put some meat to the bones of that understanding and give me some of the details of how that weakness gets expressed in a way that's hurtful for them. But it starts with the Word of God revealing my thoughts and intentions. So let's keep that in mind. Whoops. I'm not used to to trying to manage this many pieces of stuff, Um, so I'm going to get better at it. And actually, I don't promise I'm going to get better at it. I just promise I'm going to try. So out of this, that he reveals our thoughts. He reveals our intentions. And we're willing to hear it for the purpose of growth. Now turn over to a passage that many of you have memorized. And we hit hit this passage, I feel like, every month in some context. And it's 2 Timothy 3.16. So, actually, let me just ask. How many people here have memorized 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17? Okay, several hands went up. Um, I would encourage you, even you, even if you don't memorize it, become so familiar with it because it's helpful information for your attitude toward the Word of God. So it's not that memorizing it makes you smart, but being aware of what it says helps you be wise. Because here's what it says, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So again, if I'm taking up the sword of the Spirit, the recognition is that God has purposes for my life. God wants to to show me things to accomplish those purposes. And the enemy wants to distract me and divert me. 
And he's saying the Word of God is powerfully profitable. Powerfully profitable. And he focuses on these three, three I'm, I'm sorry, these four areas. I have a message that popped up on the screen that says, how likely are you to recommend this Windows 10 PC to a friend or colleague? <laughs> I'm less likely now. But for teaching, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And I love what he says. I love the way the Holy Spirit adds this. So that we are fully equipped. And it's worth pondering and recognizing this. God is not promising that the word of God fully equips you to carry out your agenda. He is not saying the word of God fully equips you and I to make sure we look good in front of somebody. What he's saying is, if you're pursuing my word... If, if you're submitted to the authority of my word, if you're willing to be reproved, to be shown where you're wandering away, where your attitudes, your actions, your behavior, your words are wandering from my character, and you're willing to be corrected and brought back, you're willing to be taught truth, you're willing to be given instruction so that you keep growing in the righteousness of Christ, then I promise you, you will keep finding out that I've prepared you fully adequate for the next moment and the next moment, and the next moment, to do what pleases me. And I, I think for all of us, that's a hard difference. That I would like God to be fully equipping me so that I can fulfill my agenda. And that is so absolutely not what he's promising. And my agenda might even be good. And that's still not what he's promising. He's saying, you are fully and adequately equipped to carry out the purposes of God as you and I keep submitting ourselves to this word and this teaching and this correction. We will keep having what we need. And that includes this. Nobody's finished. So I'm not adequately equipped to look perfect in the next moment. I am powerfully adequately equipped through the Word of God and my heart's submission to the Word of God, you are powerfully equipped. This is real. You are powerfully equipped for the next thing and the next way and the next direction that God desires you to grow in. And that may be very different than looking good to somebody. That may be very different than polishing up your image. But he's saying, I have purposes for your growth. I know exactly where you are. You are completely forgiven. You are completely welcome in my presence, as unfinished as you are. But I want to help you do the next step of growth. And my word will be powerfully equipping you for that next step of growth. And that way I do not and cannot look to someone else as the image of the next thing that God wants to accomplish in me because it's starting from where I am not starting from where someone else is. Fully equipped for growth. Now, if you would turn to the passage that Artem read for us this morning, Psalm 119.
And actually, I'll make a suggestion out of Psalm 119. Uh, even if you have some other Bible reading plan, even if you have some other Bible study or studies that you're involved in, every now and then, I think it's just wise. It's, it's invigorating and it's encouraging and it's helpful and it realigns our vision to come read through Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it is all about the Word of God. It is, it is all about the Word of God. And it takes the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and, and those are the sections of Psalm 22. For each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, there's another section. So we're looking at two sections this morning in Psalm 118, Beth and Gimel. And that leaves 20 more for you to read on your own time. But Artem read for this, and it starts with this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. And obviously, that principle of truth works for old men too. And that principle of truth works for young women and old women. And it works for children. It works for everybody. So the recognition that here we have in, in 2 Peter 3, he's saying, be on guard to not get pulled down or pulled away. And be on guard leads us to put on the full armor. And the full armor ends with pick up the sword. And now he's telling us that sword is how you defeat the enemy in all your areas of temptation. So every single one of us in this room has been tempted in the week past. Every single one of us will be tempted in the week ahead. So this gets to be a real personal applicable principle for us. How am I going to defeat the enemy in the week ahead? And I want us to notice several things about this, this passage. That's a two. And, and I'm going to sort of track two things. One is action. What action is David speaking in the psalm that, that we get to take? And what attitude do we bring to those actions? And he starts out right there in verse 9 by keeping what God shows us. So this is not rocket science. What it means is when you and I read something out of the word of God and he gives us a boundary, he gives us wisdom, he gives us something to correct or change, he gives us a command, something to go do, that our heart attitude would be, I want to keep what you just said. And it doesn't mean I just keep it, I memorize it, I stick it on a shelf. It means I'm going to Obey what you just said. So right away, he's saying, if I want to have the word of God be a powerful sword in my hand, if I want to be the, the, using the word of God in a way that actually defeats the enemy in my life, I can't pick and choose which passages I'm going to obey. And I bet everybody in the room has had some moment in your life where you recognize I'm picking and choosing which passages I obey. Because the challenge is, Father, it's not just the stuff that I already find easy to do. 
It's the hardest stuff that I'm also submitting my heart to obey. So I've had plenty of folks admit in counseling, plenty of folks through the years admit in counseling, well, I do this, 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 and this that I saw from the Word of God, but this one doesn't make sense to me. And actually what it usually boils down to is that one's inconvenient and gets in the way of something I want. So I'm going to pretend that it doesn't really have the same authority as those other things. And again, that's self-deception. And he's already promised out of that Hebrews 4.12, if I stay in the word of God, he will show me my intentions. He will reveal to me my self-deceptions. But I have, to heart, I have to bring a heart to that that says, Father, this is going to hurt, but show me if I'm deceiving myself. Show me if I'm trying to not see certain things because they're going to be hard. So right away, keeping it is the action that I get to commit to. And he goes on, and I like this because the attitude is he says, with all my heart. Now, how many people in the room can say, when I go into the Word of God, I always bring all my heart? No hands going up. No, we don't always bring. He's, he's aiming something for us. He's saying, aim for this. Keep growing the commitment to bring more and more and more of your heart to the Word of God so that all my heart is the, is the prospect of maturity that I'm aiming for. With all my heart, I have sought you. Then I will not wander. And he says this too. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. That I will not wander. Now, here's, here's the bottom line. All I have to do to wander is not pay attention to the path. It's all I have to do to wander. I don't, have to, I don't have to will evil. You and I, in our Christian walk, in our walk with God, we don't have to will evil to go wrong. We really don't. All we have to do is stop paying attention to truth. Stop paying attention to this father-son, daughter, father-daughter conversation in the Word of God. All we have to do is just let our attention wander, and then our steps wander. Now, I... I um, Frequently notice this. I don't know if you do too. If I'm driving and something way off in that field gets my attention, where does my car go? Yeah. Now, fortunately, fortunately, God catches me before I go driving through the field to get to that thing. But that's the inclination is to go where we look. And, and if you see somebody walking down the street and all their attention is on that cell phone or that iPad in front of them, and then they, they whack their head on a street sign or they bump into somebody, it's not because they willed their head to bump into a street sign or they willed to bump into people. It's because they wandered, because their attention was wandering, they wandered from a safe path. So again, this is not rocket science. It's just, if I, if I let my attention wander, my path will wander. And he goes on to say, your word I have treasured. What a good word. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin. 
Now, and he's not saying, if I memorize enough verses, I will be sinless. But what he is saying, if I keep not just learning your word, but treasuring the truth that your word speaks to me, I treasure its protections. I treasure the image it gives me of you. I treasure, I actually treasure what you're revealing to me about who I am in Christ and what's possible for me as a son of God or a daughter of God. I treasure that. I don't just stick it in a file folder and forget about it. I ponder it in treasuring I will be strengthened and equipped to defeat sin. And, and again, everybody in the room will be tempted to sin this week. There are no exceptions sitting here. And so that recognition, I want to be proactive about this. If I know I'm going to be sinning, or if I know I'm going to be tempted, let me say it that way. If I know I'm going to be tempted, I'm going to try to start gathering truth that helps me address those areas of temptation where I've been vulnerable, and I want to ponder them and treasure them in preparation for that moment of battle. I don't want to wait for the moment of battle. I don't want to wait for the moment the enemy attacks me. So again, consider where your area of weakness is. is if your area of weakness is in discouragement, that when something goes wrong, you just want to throw up your hands and quit on God because you feel like he quit on you. Get ready for that moment. Gather scriptural truth that encourages you for that moment of discouragement. Gather biblical truth that reminds you of God's faithfulness, even across a multitude of delays or distractions from us, that God is not distracted and he's still working on things for my blessing. Gather truth. If it's hard for you to believe that you're forgiven, and every time you sin or see yourself falling short, you go through a, a dark period of, of condemnation, and you feel that you've lost the love of God and that you are no longer treasured. And I know believers, every week I hear from believers that are struggling with that. Gather truth that reminds you of the, of the freedom from condemnation. Gather truth that reminds you of the faithfulness of God even when we're unfaithful. Gather truth that reminds you of the security that you and I have in Christ so that you're ready for that moment. Get ready for the moment. If there's a particular area of sin, anger, hurtfulness when you're angry, lust, selfishness, pride, if you know there's an area of sin that you're treasuring truth before you get to the moment of battle. So this is a, this is a hands up question. And don't worry, I'm not getting ready to embarrass anybody. How many people in the room would say, I think I know two or three of my main areas of vulnerability to sin? How many would say, you know, for the most part, two or three of your main areas? Okay, almost every hand went up. Then this right now would be a good moment to go, okay, then I should start gathering truth that fits those moments of vulnerability, that fits those areas where I know I'm weak or where the enemy has a good track record of pulling me down that I'm actually getting ready for that by treasuring those words. And again, not just knowing where they are, not just reading them, but now there's a father-son, father-daughter love conversation. It's, Father, you've given me this word because you love victory for me. You love blessing me with victory and preparing me for victory. I want to treasure this word, and I want to get ready for that moment so that I've practiced it enough times that when I get to that moment, you and I already have this conversation going on. And he goes on to say, teach me. 
And again, back to that 2 Timothy 3.16. If he has teaching for me, the attitude I bring to that is that I'm teachable. Um, how many parents here, if you only have one child, don't raise your hand so that we don't know who it is. Um, how many parents here would say you have faced a moment where you felt like your child was not teachable? Okay. Now, how many, how many here, when you were the kid, knew that you had at least some moments where you were not teachable? Yes, okay. So we've covered everybody. And so what God is saying is, please get this figured out that when we come to the Word of God, we're teachable. We're not defensive, we're teachable. And it's a humble thing just to recognize, you know what, Father, if you're the God of the universe who created me, it shouldn't surprise me and it shouldn't even crush my ego to admit you know more than I do. It shouldn't discourage me or crush my ego to recognize you can see things I can't see. So that I get to come to this word teachable. And I like this next one, verse 13. With my lips I have told all of the ordinances. And this is a good one because this actually strengthens us as well. That he's basically saying when God teaches you something, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody. Now, that's different than going around trying to pull logs, trying to pull specks out of other people's eyes while you're ignoring the log in your own eye, as Jesus said. It's not about chastising people. It's about sharing truth with somebody and sharing truth because it was helpful for you. Sharing truth because it was encouraging, because it corrected you. So part of that might mean that you also share, here's where I was wrong, and here's where God corrected me. Here's where I was stumbling, and here's how God strengthened me. And it won't always be that, but that humility might be part of the mix. But part of it is that you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, have enough wisdom to share the Word of God with each other without feeling like we're hyper-religious. And I know there are times when I almost hesitate to say something from the Word of God because I'm afraid, ah, they know I'm a counselor, they know I'm a pastor, they're going to think this is just part of my, you know, my Jesus religious thing. But if this is a brother or a sister in Christ, oh well, instead of what, worrying about what they think about me, to be pondering with God, Father, could this truth encourage them? Could this truth help them? So that you and I don't worry so much about our image with other believers, but we rejoice in the fact that your word gets to pass through my hands and go help and bless and encourage someone else. And Father, what they do with it, that's between them and you. But you've put it in my hands. You've encouraged me with this. I want to pass it on. And he goes on and he says, oops, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. And I like the way he says it. Not just I've rejoiced in your testimonies, I've rejoiced in the way. It means you and I are learning God's character as we study the word. And we rejoice in the way God operates. We rejoice in the way God operates with other people and, and with me. 
And if the more I rejoice in the way he operates with me, inevitably I will grow his way in how I operate toward others. So how many, this is again, a hand, raise your hand. How many people here have had moments when you were just totally blown away by the grace and forgiveness of God? Okay, practically every hand. How many here would say, and I bet my husband or my wife or my best friend uh, or my neighbor or my buddy or my child or my parents or my worst enemy, I bet there's times when they've just been blown away by the grace and forgiveness I offer to them. Well, we're, maybe we're not there yet. But that's part of what he's saying is learn to treasure and rejoice in his ways revealed through his testimonies so that I take on his ways. The, the people closest to me in my life, my circle of fellowship, my circle of closest friends, and at the very core of that, my wife and daughter should be experiencing through the years my growth in the ways of God. And that gets to be true for all of us. That the people who experience me more and more and more, maybe tiny little baby steps, but that's okay, experience more of the ways of God because that's what I'm learning and growing in. And we're going to go ahead and uh, you may rejoice at this. We're going to go ahead and pause till next Sunday um, so that you can go to lunch. But again, part of what I would be encouraging myself, each one of us, is to be looking back at, at what we've studied so far out of Psalm 119, out of Hebrews 12, out of 2 Timothy 3, 3, 16 and 17, and ask, how do I bring action? How do I bring behavior and choices? And how do I bring attitude? How do I bring a heart and a mind given to what God is describing so that it changes me? The Word of God is meant to change me so that I'm armored up against the enemy. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you that you mean this stuff. Father, you're not just having Sunday school. You're pouring out power and authority for us to grow. You're pouring out wisdom and armor and a weapon to defeat the enemy in our lives. And Father, your word makes it real clear that we don't have to walk around fearful of the enemy. We don't have to walk around in any way, shape, or form seeing a demon behind every bush. We just get to recognize we have an enemy, but we have everything we need to defeat that enemy if we are anchored in you and anchored in love relationship with you and out of love relationship, anchored in faith and trust. And because of faith and trust, we listen to your word. We ponder, we obey, we treasure your word. Thank you for this treasure, Father. And Father, I, I thank you for this. All these treasures you speak are out of a tender heart of a father. That again, you're not setting out to condemn us. You're not setting out to discourage us. You're setting out to set us free from every deception and then to equip us to grow in grace and power and effectiveness of life to grow in love relationship with you and to grow in love relationship with the people around us. This is for our good, Father. Help us to bring an attitude of, attitude of trust that we're expecting good things to be accomplished. 
when we bring our hearts submitted to your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.